Before we get into today's episode, we'd just like to chat with you about a few things. First, most of the content on this podcast is our opinion, and we don't really do extensive research before the episodes. Second, you may not agree with our opinion, but that's okay. Friendly reminder that you're choosing to listen to this. You can choose not to agree. We still love you anyways. Now, without further ado, let's fuck small talk. I feel like it's not authentic if I don't talk about my dating life on here. Girl, you be authentic. Anyways. Been saying. <laughs> been saying. Been saying. Um, you been have uh, evolved a little bit in the last like two months on your dating life, too. I know. Before we get into that, do you want to say who you are and how you know us? Okay. <laughs> well, this is going to be another one of those, here's how I know Danny, and then through mm-hmm. Danny, I met soccer, a shit. Soccer, 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 um, So, I met... Wait, tell them who I am. <laughs> <laughs> who are you? Um, I'm Taylor Durstein. And generally, I always follow with, like, whatever I do as a job, but I'm just going to follow it up as I'm a human being. Ooh. Ooh. Um, I know, right? That's very boho chic of it. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, I know Danny uh, through soccer, um, and then I met Ashay through Danny through soccer, so the com common factor is soccer every time taylor and i talk it's we get into like who are we and how did we get here and how can we like influence the people around us like it's really intense it's very on brand for fuck small talk it's invigorating (laughs) like there are moments like so when we met to talk about all of this on thursday I like when I went into it. I felt like I had this like very like nervous energy. So I because I know I was like rushing there, and I so when I sat down, I felt like I wasn't like fully being present and in the moment with her. So like we talked, we finished everything, and then when I left, I was like shaking, but not like a like oh my god, I can't handle this shaking. Like a, oh my god, my body is like mm. buzzing with excitement from this. Um, and so I like messaged her. I was like, hey, like sorry if my energy felt off because <laughs> I'm such an energy person, right? Yeah. And so I just wanted to like That's address cute. it instead of be like. Hey, if you got bad vibes from me, like your fault. You should handle yeah. this stuff. If you, like, got, no, no, if you got bad stuff. vibes, bye. Yeah, sorry. And I just was like, I'm just so excited to be on your podcast and share my story. And so we just had such a great talk. Could I read what I said back to you? Yeah, sure. I said, girl, your energy was perfect. It was a great lunch. And I got exactly what I needed for the episode. We'll have such a good time talking about this on Sunday. I genuinely promise it's the most chill thing in the world. And thank you for meeting with me and being open to talking about all of this. It's so inspiring to hear about your breakthroughs. And I know our listeners will really resonate with your journey. Hair flip. Yeah. <laughs> so Bo-ho-shi. it was awesome. Yeah, Sorry. No, it was a great lunch. I just learned today, like Taylor and Danny just explained to me today what boho chic means, and I'm obsessed. Like I want, I want to be boho chic. I think that should be your Halloween costume. I know it's only January, oh and many things could change, <laughs> but like. How how would my Halloween costume like boho bohemian like do I just dress up as Freddie Mercury and then you could or you could just go on Pinterest and put in boho Halloween costumes boho Halloween costumes. yeah they, they exist do. bohemian yeah. yeah um uh what I was gonna say is I've never met somebody who like so drastically will cling to a saying. Like, you hear it once and you'll be like, oh my god, I cannot use any other phrase for the next three days. Attachment. And then I get attached to it, and then you move on to the next phrase, and I'm still stuck on the past phrase, being like, I thought this one was cool. Toast, 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 toast. Toast, 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 toast. toast, toast, toast. toast. Yeah, we went out for uh, dinner one time, and this girl, um, she, what the hell was she actually saying? Totes. Totes. 
She was saying totes, totes. Like totes, my goats. Uh, yeah. No, no, you said it. That was it. me, You yeah. said it. And then I just was like, yeah, it wouldn't be shocking if a Shay was like, toast, toast, toast. <laughs> so I was just like. So she just started So saying, I just accepted it. <laughs> she just started toast, saying. Toast, toast, toast. Yeah, she just started saying it. Toast, 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 toast. And then one time I was like, are you saying toast? Yeah. And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. her thing. And I was like, what? <laughs> I, lear- I learned from? my coolness from you. Aww. Aww. This is the nicest <laughs> thing anyone's ever said to me. Of course. You're like one of my... New attachment thing that he will say every day in the mirror. He's like, you're so cool. Well, both of you are so stylish and cool and just seem like to be so sure of it that I'm like, ah, okay. I'm going to just like learn from you guys. Like both of you. I legitimately, like I remember walking into your apartment the first time that you just recently moved into and I was like... Oh my god! And I came home and was like, I need to go on home websites and like buy more shit for my apartment. <laughs> so I just like really respect your design and style for both of you. Oh, thank, thank you. you. You're so trendy. Look at that. Boom. Air high five. So, but on that note, that you said like you're just confident with it. Oh. I don't really have a choice. Like I did a personality test at work. <laughs> you had to be cool. I have to be cool. No, that was what the personality test said. On the inside, not cool. Outside, gotta be cool. No, it just said that um, <laughs> my nature is that I really, really hate indecisiveness in mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. office or in myself. And mm-hmm. they're like, when it manifests in yourself, you feel conflict, and so you stamp it out. Mm-hmm. And then oh. so when it's when I'm making decisions, I'm at a store and shopping. You'll see me like Lex pointed out before. I'll just like I'll grab I'll gravitate to one thing, grab it, be like, okay, yeah, I like this, and then just it's done. Hmm. Like I don't I don't spend too much time discerning between what I like and what I don't like. You don't do the like if there was. It's actually funny. I just talked about one of my, to my coaches about one of this because I just recently I hired coaches for uh, my business to help it grow, which is in turn going to help me grow. But anyways, and it was talking about like that same thing where like you're an individual, you know exactly what you want, and so if someone was going to come up to you with an opinion and be like, you were, let's just say you said something about a topic, right? Yeah. And people are like, well, why do you think that way, or why is that your opinion? You're like, I don't know. I just like it. Like it just, I just that's that's just it like yeah mm. and so whereas like there's people out there who are like well no there's not a reason that you just like it like there's so there's people out there who like do the research to prove yeah. why they like it whereas you're one of those people who's just like well i like it and i like it and that's that and you move on hmm. yeah I'm, I'm like that with certain stuff i'm like that with fashion and stuff but with with work and with things that need research i'm the opposite i, I like i like to have the facts before i make a decision mm-hmm. but then once the facts are like when we're in meetings and you're talking about you, the point of the meeting is to come to a decision mm-hmm. and everyone's just kind of saying their opinion and nobody makes a decision i'm, I'm you're like table flip Triggers i me. saw this decision 20 minutes ago yeah. why are we still talking yeah this is I, I feel like there's a trend here are we gonna just say this or what well it just even like solidifies how well you know yourself as a person right because if you can make your own choices and be like yep this is good i like this this is for me yeah yeah. whereas like you said like at work while i need to be able to do that research not saying that like you don't trust yourself enough at work because i'm sure you're great at what you do but you do the background to make sure that your idea or what you're presenting is solid before you go in yes i guess that's right personal level you're like nope this is exactly what i want i don't need you to tell me what to do yeah did you uh, share your 16 personality uh, test with your coach? Yeah, I did actually. So this is really cool. So um, I have, um, I'm gonna do a little shout out to them. Full circle coaching. They are the best. Anyways. I like it. I like um, the name too. It's yeah, that's inspired. a cool circle. That's a great and, like, name. He comes up so much that he's like, I should name a company after this. And I'm yeah. like, ah, that's so funny. <laughs> um, but uh, so basically, um, what happened is I like with the coaching, we had a whole bunch of um, things that I needed to go through. And one of them was called um, my authentic abilities. 
And so it was like all these different tests that I had to do. And so like doing a love language test, doing a Colby mm. test, um, doing a life path test, um, Myers-Briggs a mindset. Yeah. All of that kind of stuff just to really dig in deep to be like, who is Taylor? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, which came at such a perfect time for me. Cause like I had no idea who I was or who I wanted to be, or I was just so lost. But anyways, so I was like randomly doing this, like self-love search um and like ways to practice self-love and like increase your confidence because mm -hmm. every year i choose a word to go into the, the year with and this year i chose confidence so anyways i was like reading through this one blog post and it brought up this 16 personalities thing which i had recognized because i had seen it before yeah. and i saw it like quite a few years ago but i was like i don't want to do this mm -hmm. like it was it's gonna take too long like yeah. i have no patience for it right where right. i was like i have nothing to freaking do like let me do this thing so I sat down, did it, and then like read all the sections on it all. And like, again, this is free. So like yep. anybody can do this. And I recommend everybody do it. It's Yo, yeah. really it's cool. It's incredible. Like just the stuff that like, I had to literally like look around my apartment and be like, who put something in here to spy on me? <laughs> yeah, hold on, hold on. so spot on. You're like, you couldn't have got this from these questions. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, oh my gosh. So immediately I like hopped on and like messaged my head coach um, and said like, hey man, like, don't know if you've ever used this resource, but mm -hmm. like, hey, here it is. And uh, it was really cool because he had never used the resource. Oh. So I actually got to teach my coach something That's pretty cool. that he hadn't been aware of. And like um, him and I, we share the same kind of love language and we have very, very similar personalities. He actually is the exact same personality as you, Danny. So fun. So what are, what are the letters? What are we talking for 16 so personalities? I forget. You'd have to say, I don't know what yours are. We'd have to look at them. Um, I don't know mine off the, the top of The my name head. is called the, I believe mine's the protagonist. protagonist. And he was the exact same thing. Um, and so basically the thing is, is it's broken down into four subcat or four categories. And then there's personalities are sub or uh, subcategories. Mm -hmm. So Danny and I are in the same category, but we're different subcategories. Yes. Um, so yes, he was the exact same as Danny, which I was like, this makes sense because like Danielle and I get along so well and connect on like such a deeper level than I, mm -hmm. I get to do with a lot of people. Um, and so anyways, long story short, yeah, it was really awesome to get to like say to my coach, like, Hey, here's what I did. Yeah. Have yeah. you done it? And him be like, no. And then of course he's like, Taylor, who are you? And so I sent him my results and that kind of thing. And he was like, this is so spot on with like all the other data that we've collected about you. He's like, this was an awesome tool. Like, thank you for sharing it. So she is ENFP personality and they're a true free spirit. They often, they are often the life of the party, but unlike explorers, they are less interested in the sheer excitement and pleasure of the moment than they are in enjoying the social and emotional connections they make with others. Charming, independent, energetic, compassionate, the 7% of the population that they um, comprise can, currently, can certainly be felt in any crowd. Beautiful. Like, so accurate to you. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. Um, and then it says, like, uh, you're more extroverted, you're, you're intuitive, um, feeling, prospecting, turbulent. Those are your like top traits. Mm -hmm. uh, your role is a diplomat. Your strategy is social engagement. Social engagement. That makes, that checks Super out. Super cool. <laughs> um, yeah. So have you done this before? Yeah, I've done it before. What are you? Do you I'm, know? Yeah, I'm an ENTJ, but the T and the F are, it's like a 5347. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. So mm. I could like I could go either way on it. So a bit of a chameleon. You kind of switch based on your environment. You're like yeah. a Gemini. When is your birthday? I'm a, I'm a Gemini. Damn. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That was so impressive as hell. That. Yeah. And then, so I think 
so my personality type for TJ is commander, and then I think uh, ENFJ is protagonist. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then nice. so on. Which would then, again, make sense as to why you guys get along so well. Yeah. Totally. Because you can literally identify. But then, like, his little, like, buffer, right, is the difference between your friendship that probably engages you to him because you're like, oh, I didn't think about it that way or I totally. didn't see it that way, right? Yeah. The amount of times I, like, will bounce ideas off of a Shay and he gives me a different perspective and I'm like, this was perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good! Uh, <laughs> but I definitely, like... Um, I was really, really interested in, like, my the struggles of mine and stuff. Mm. Just because, like, I think we all have a good idea of our strengths, but mine is, like, understanding how I work with others has been a challenge in my life. And I don't, like, this comes back to I'm an only child and, like, was really introverted for the, my childhood and then became, like, extremely extroverted and, like, leadership, yes, yes, yes. Okay. And so then I have to, like, constantly reflect on that to bring myself back down to earth to be like, okay, like, people are important too teamwork's important too like mm. ge- discussion is important and i know like i've talked about this with both of you of just mm-hmm. like uh flaws and stuff anyways yeah, and i was like, just gonna get self-conscious <laughs> i can fully identify with when you talk about being a kid and being like very shy very much more reserved because i was absolutely that kid and like for anyone who's listening to this that knows me is like you're a liar. <laughs> People no tell way. me they're like you're lying. Like yeah. why are you like exaggerating? Because they I'm can't like, imagine you not being the way that you are, right? But the thing that is so powerful is that it's a constant reminder of how much you've grown as a person. Totally. Um, and it's a constant reminder of you know the things that you noticed in yourself at a young age that you didn't like or. Maybe you liked, but you were trying, how can I take my weakness and make this my strength? How can I, you know, how can I, I grow and be this person that I really, really want to be? And so for me growing up, um, again, like I like I'm for people that don't know me, I'm five foot two. I weigh 107 <laughs> pounds. Like I'm itty bitty tiny. <laughs> and so, um, of course I was like having a personality that's very small yes that that makes sense but as I started to um you know age and grow um I started to finally like become who I you know was becoming and like this free spirit like my personality test says and um very very social and very much wanting to listen to people and understand people before I would make judgments or you know because it's very easy for your other friends to be like oh yeah that person's a dick or that Mm. girl's a bitch and it's like well I don't really want to agree with you because I don't know them personally yet and it's not fair to them for me to judge them without knowing them um so um I'm just gonna dive right in here yeah Um, yeah I'd love to so uh this kind of like my my whole journey I was really really bullied growing up um and uh it, it did definitely shape me into the strong woman that I would identify as today, which is like, yes, me. Um, but uh, what happened, you know, you go through, and I'm sure everyone can identify with this at some point, we go through these bullying phases and like, we're like, oh my God, like what's wrong with me? And why can't I fit in? Or why can't I be, you know, like all these other people? And it's just that like, you're not supposed to be. You're mm. not supposed to be like those other people. You're not supposed to blend in. You're not supposed to be the same. None of us are, but because we're so afraid of being Mm -hmm. different and being that black sheep and standing out and standing up for ourselves and what we believe in until we're like, well, you know, into our older age, right? That's why a lot of people are like, 
oh, if I could let you know, you know, if I knew what I knew yeah. when I was this old. And it's like, but that's the growth and that's the journey and that's the beauty of getting to learn about who you are because you know who you are now. And I, I think the faster and the sooner you can learn about yourself, the more you're setting yourself up to succeed in every aspect of your life. Um, so kind of, I kind of got off track there, but like, so I battled with my first bout of, I guess what I would call depression and anxiety in grade, I think it was grade eight. Um, there was this guy who I really liked and he was my boyfriend and like it's grade seven, eight, like he was my boyfriend for like two weeks. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So long term. And so, you know, you're like on MSN and all that jazz. That's high commitment in grade seven. Honestly. Oh, I've always been, hello, like I crave that that (laughs) connection. So I'm like, yeah, you're my boyfriend. Let's do this thing. Um, so, uh, I remember he called me and he was like, hi Taylor. Like, I don't like you anymore. I like this girl because she's better than you. Not necessarily. Not in those words right but in my mindset in my frame of mind because yeah. I always viewed this individual as someone who I could never compete with because we were different yeah um and so uh he was just like yeah like I don't like you anymore I like her and I was just like well what can I do right because yeah. I'm like well I like you like yeah. what do you mean and he was like no like I just don't want this blah 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 and like you know over done with and I was like okay so, you know, grade eight me is just like, okay, like, I'll move on. But, like, I remember, like, I didn't actually move on. Like, I was, I remember being in the computer room. I went to Queens Mount Public School, for those of you who are from here. And, uh, anyways, <laughs> I was in the computer room there. And I remember just being so, so, so sad and having absolutely no idea why. Yeah. And I was just like, what is going on? Like, what? Like, I just had no clue. Mm-hmm. And, like, I didn't want to talk to my parents because I didn't know what to say or, like, how to do it and like when you're you know in grade seven eight nine ten high school those are your crucial years where you're like really starting to try and find yourself oh yeah and you're feeling so much all at once that you have it's every a lot. part you of you you don't even know like that's why i'm like i don't know how to talk to my parents because i don't even know what to say yeah. like i, don't I even think know that's how like I'm feeling right? you're unsure of everything including your own feelings at that time in your life yeah because you're just like oh you just get so overwhelmed yep. and so um so long story short, um, I was battling this depression, this anxiety, all on my own, like very, very young. Also, everybody, I'm super vulnerable, so I will cry. Um, and so um, when I was in grade eight, I tried to, so you're like 12 years old or whatever. I tried to commit suicide for the first time. Really difficult. Um, and this is like, I'm finally starting to talk about it at the age of 27, which is like very freeing to be able to admit that that was something that I struggled with, but it's okay because at some point in our life, we all struggle with our own worth, right? And so, um, thank God, and like, I'm a very, very spiritual being. I believe in God, Jesus, all that jazz. So, I truly believe that there was someone watching over me that day because my mom actually walked in when it was happening. And I'll never forget the look on her face. Yeah. And we didn't talk about it we just stopped because it was like she knew what i was going through she got it i didn't have to say anything so there was that level of understanding yeah and and that was the thing too is like the moment that it happened and she walked in and i saw her i was like what am i doing what am i doing like that little it brought you back a little bit yeah devil and the angel on your shoulder right the angel's like no don't do it and the devil's yeah come on do it right totally um yeah and so it was we it was i think maybe later in the day um 
And actually, what I didn't share is my mom and I actually have always had a very close relationship. And uh, we actually used to have a communication journal. And so Cute. what we developed, because I've always been a person that's, I'm a journaler, so it's very easy for me to write. Mm-hmm. Um, and as, I, as I've grown, my communication skills have become one of my strengths. But I've found that strength through writing. Okay. And so um, in order for me to actually tell her how I was feeling and get it out was to be able to write it to her. So what I would do is we had our little book, I would write it, put it under her pillow, and then vice versa, she would write to me, put it under my pillow, and that was kind of the way that we communicated for a while. Um, And so eventually we did sit down and talk about it like a couple days later or something like that, I can't really remember. And you know, she's like, why, why? Like, why did you feel you had to do that, right? No judgment, no nothing, just trying to understand. Um, and I, I, I don't even know what I said. Like, I have no idea because it was so long ago now and it probably it hurt so much that I just pushed it away and out of my life, right? Um, and so from that point on, I remember just being like how horrible I felt and how I never in my life wanted to feel that way ever again. And so what I did was um, I engaged myself in a lot more of social activities and like the things that were going to make me uncomfortable because if I'm not going to be uncomfortable, I am never ever going to grow. I'm going to be stuck in this teeny tiny little frame that I so badly didn't want to be, right? Mm -hmm. Because I was on my way to that until this human being crushed me and I was like, oh my God, I'm not worth anything. Like, So um, when I made my way into, I think it was like grade nine, um, my mom actually enrolled me into a modeling class and like there was no pressure to be like yeah you're gonna be a model like mm. da, 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 da. yeah it was more so just to be able to learn about myself and to learn to be confident in who i am and mm. own who i am um and that was probably it was one of the most positive some parts of it were negative however for who i am as a person i was able to turn the negative into a positive which is something i very much pride myself on Um, but, uh, the first year, um, the agency actually noticed how much growth I did have and signed me. So, Uh which was really, really cool. And cause I always was like, I was always one of those girls who like, you know, you've got like 17 magazine and like whatever (laughs) other ones you're like flipping through and you're like, Oh, it would just be so cool to like get my picture taken and have my makeup done and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, worked my way into doing all of that kind of stuff. Um, and then maybe about a year after that, after kind of like the fun and the hurrah part of it happened, um, I would go to casting calls. And for those of you that don't know what a casting call is, it's basically just they contact who, whichever model in the agency is going to best fit um, this uh, you know, like photo shoot or acting thing or commercial. And they ask you to come to it. And I remember, again, I'm in like grade 10. Of course, I'm going through freaking puberty. So I'm like, in grade 10, I weighed like, I don't know, probably 75, 80 pounds. Like I was little. Mm -hmm. And so there's like five judges or not even judges, but like, you know, prospecting you and looking at you. They don't say a word, right? You come in. It's just like so uncomfortable because you're like, oh, my God, like all they're doing is actually just like judging me based off of yeah. the way that I look. And it's yeah. things you can't change. You're like, judge yeah. me completely using your biggest critic, and then also, I can't change it if you don't like it. Exactly. Yeah. And so, That's a lot of pressure. Yeah, so I remember I, like, did my whole, like, walk and whatever and stood in front of them, because you have they have to, like, look at your face, and they're like, you need to fix your acne, um, and you also need to lose more weight. Boom, done. Out lose more room. weight? Yeah. 
Oh, my Lanta. And I remember in that moment when I left, I literally in my brain was like, you guys are fucking stupid. There's no way I can clear up my hormonal acne yeah. and lose more weight. Like, that would be the most unhealthy That's thing for me fucked. to do. Oh, my God. So I remember I then had to come out of that casting and then go straight into this, um, like, audition for a commercial for teeth whitening. And, like, mm. I've always had, I've been, I got freaking braces and, like, blessed to have nice teeth now, which I'm like, thank you, Mom and Dad. Best <laughs> investment ever. And I remember, I, like, the whole time I'm doing this thing, I'm not even giving it what I want it to because I was like, this is not me. I have spent so much time building up who I am, what I am about. Mm. And that was the whole purpose of this. The whole thing we were being taught was to love ourselves and embrace ourselves. Yet this industry is all about criticizing yeah. every single thing yeah. that you are in order to conform and fit to what they want. The you to one be. thing that they hold on a pedestal. Yeah. Right. And I mean, I can understand that if you're an adult. And so I'm very thankful that at the age of 15, 16, however old I was, I was able to be like, this is wrong. So I still was active and still did the things that I felt fit me personally, but I kind of like started to just like stray away because I was like, eh. And so I involved myself in more of like my sports and the things that I like to do because I was a very active individual. Um, people would refer to me as an athlete, but I don't really know. Oh, oh yeah, that. indeed. Um, oh, yes. So um, The Michael Phelps of your school. Yes. No. No. <laughs> Um, and so, uh, you know, going through high school, we all go through those social things where, um, we have this group of people that we spend our time with and then you start to kind of fall away from them. And then, you know, I'm not going to get too much into that just because I've already healed from that and I don't want to bring it up because it feels like just like word vomit. I'm like, eh, this, <laughs> this just doesn't serve me anymore. I'm over it kind yep. of thing, right? Yeah, I respect that. Um, Cl you've closed the book on that. Yeah, I'm, I, that chapter's done. The book is shelved. We're over it. Yeah. Um, but now, I mean, I need to kind of expand on it a tad bit. Um, long story short, like, I had this these group of friends, you know, I thought that they were really great people until I started actually meeting other people. Hmm. And people would come up to me and meet me and say, oh, Taylor, you're actually not a bitch. Oh, oh, you're actually Jesus. a nice person. No. Oh. And I was like, I'm really upset that I put myself in a light where I was seen as otherwise. Like by default, too. Exactly. Yeah. Because of the people I was surrounding myself with, right? And, you know, I can't lay blame on any of those people because I'm sure they were all struggling in the same way that we all do at that age, mm -hmm. right? Um, and, and, and we hold different a set of values at that point in our lives when we're trying to figure everybody out. Like, yeah. it, it comes out in these weird things that we're very judgy, but we don't really understand why we're judging those people. And exactly. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, started to, to kind of drift away from that group of friends. Obviously, like, there were arguments, there were fights, there were friendships from years and years and years. Like, I had a friend um, who I was friends with since I was four years old, and we our friendship ended. And it was devastating for me. It yeah. was um, one thing that like I really had to rebuild was like looking for a friend, which like, you know, when you're a kid, you're like, oh, my friends are my friends. They're never going to leave me. Yeah. And so when it happens and you're like, crap, like, what do I do? How can like my friend didn't like me for who I am? What mm. happened? But the thing is, too, is that you need to remember that like, it's okay, friends, like I learned in church today, friends come in seasons and everyone comes into your life for a purpose. And the only thing that you can take away from that is the positive that like they were in your life. They were your friend. They had a lesson for you that you learned. And the thing is, is 
now that they're not in your life, you've learned your lesson. And that's such a blessing. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not a negative thing to lose friends or, you know, to have those falling out. It's just, it was a purpose that was fulfilled and now you move on to the next thing. And if they're meant to be in your life again, they'll come. You know what I mean? And, And a couple of notes on that is that I can see why that was really hard for you, especially with how, the the length of some of those friendships. Because making new friends, so those those friendships you had is were foundational friendships for you, right? Like mm-hmm. that's your core group. And then when you have a core group, making new friends is so much easier because you know there's there's no risk. There's, it's a it's a zero stakes situation. You're like oh cool, let's meet some new people. Whatever. If it works out, it works out. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Mm-hmm. Because you can always just go back to your core group. When you lose that, and you lose like you start questioning how you even have friendships and relationships and it makes it hard to go interact with new people and Absolutely. so i completely get that the the, the 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 rupturing of that foundation on which you've built your social skills basically mm-hmm. on how to how to interact with people and make friends right and so i could see why that was super how old did you say you were when that happened that was like i don't know like 17 18, oh shit yeah things. so like a so year still, later still in like i'm one of those people like my personal growth happens quick and yeah like the change happens fast until i like hit my 20s but um, the other thing you mentioned, though, is that, like, even though it, it ended poorly, you still learned something. Mm-hmm. Expanding on that, so I went I went through a scenario where I feel like I've fallen off the wagon with some friends, too. Mm-hmm. But I think the, the, the way it ended and the more recent aspects of it, the bad parts, mm-hmm. it doesn't... One thing that I had to learn, and it took me a while to figure this out, but those don't overwrite and delete the good times we had exactly the memories you, always yeah be there. you still were had fun you still had those positive memories that were in the moment you don't need to bury those away just because the ending was bad exactly right which a lot of people try and do and they're like i hate that person like i could never forgive them and it's like yeah why it just didn't work absolutely anymore. how much your mother had a shit ending but it's still my favorite tv series of all time i'm not burying <laughs> yeah. the rest of it I'm not burying that friendship. You know what I mean? Yeah. Same logic. It's the exact same thing. No further questions. But yeah. I think you guys, I, I, I think it comes back to how amazing you are as individuals that you, you, it was a priority to reflect on those friendships because you were like, I don't want to feel like I've wasted my time and I don't want to feel like when I connected with those people, it was it, like Meaningless. I was misled or something. Mm-hmm. You're like, I need to find the purpose of why this happened in my life. Yeah. And so both of you like reflected on that and that's amazing. And I think the, the other thing I like that you pointed out is that there's growth. No matter what good things happen, bad things happen, any event, every second of every day is an opportunity for growth, mm-hmm. right? And and there's growth in A, the reflection and understanding um there's a there's a reason why this happened and there's some there's something to take away here but also i found there's a lot of growth in how i saw myself and how i handled myself in that right like it it really it made me be more aware of like hey this hurt me but but why why did mm-hmm. why did this particular thing cut so deep why mm-hmm. did this particular thing affect me that much and how do i kind of deal with that in the future mm-hmm. because like you said with foundational friendships that's not something that's happening every day mm-hmm. foundational relationships in general those aren't ha- those issues aren't happening every single day that's a fracture that happens one time and when it happens it goes deep mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and so it's not you don't get that opportunity too often to figure out hey when something deep happens how do i handle it mm-hmm. right and that's when we set, tend to build up the walls we tend to choose to not engage in those certain things that are going to bring back the pain that we once had to feel because we're like "Ooh, that really hurt last time i'm not going to subject myself to that when really you should be like i'm really terrified of this but i'm going to do it anyways because i know that i should and half of us half of us like 80%, 90% 80%, 90% of us don't want to do that. It's no, normal. It's terrifying. Because we 
we're not taught how to deal with our own emotions. No. Because the thing is, is that our parents can't teach us that. No one can teach us that other than ourselves, to how to handle our own emotions. And all you can ever do... Snaps for Taylor. <laughs> Snaps for Taylor. <laughs> all you can ever do is try to do that self-reflection and dig deep as much as it's going to be painful. Because it's... the. The hardest job, the biggest investment you're always going to make is in yourself. Absolutely. And people feel bad for that. After I had issues with those foundational relationships, I went and saw, I, I needed some help. So I went and yeah. saw some, some help because I went through some anxiety and some depression for a little while. But one of the things that strikes me, like the thing that stuck with me the most, and I think this gets back to you talking about self-love, is that this, this counselor is like, look, we can, I, I'm so happy you're seeking help and I'm so happy you're talking to me and I'll, I'm here for you. I am. But if you're willing to, to be vulnerable... You are your own best therapist. I, you can talk to anybody. You can do what do whatever you feel like and try to get all the external help you need. At the end of the day, nobody knows you better than you know you. Mm-hmm. And you throughout this will be your own best therapist. Just trust yourself. Mm-hmm. Trust yourself in what you need. We are terrified to trust ourselves. Oh, absolutely. We're told all the time to not trust ourselves because when you, you learn all of your morals and everything that you're about by the time you're seven years old based upon your parents' mm-hmm. opinions. And so we grow up not truly wanting to have our own opinions because when you do since you're a kid your parents are like what do you not not they don't say it that way but right it's like well what do you know you're seven years old well yeah, you yeah wait till you're gone my through age. this yeah. like yeah wait till you're my age or and it's like we need to stop doing that as parents and i like personally like if i'm gonna raise my kids i want to embrace every idea they have every thought they have Ooh, everything yeah. i don't care if it's stupid yeah you're a kid Kids are growing and learning constantly. And why do you not want to support your child's growth in every possible way? And just like you said, the only way you were able to grow from your experiences is by having them. Good or bad. Mm-hmm. The only way you're going to grow from an experience is if you actually allow yourself to have it and you immerse yourself in it. Same concept with kids. The only way they're going to learn that jumping off the roof is a terrible idea is if they do it and it hurts. Yeah. If like, you keep saying no, they're going to be like, oh, but they're going to look at that roof every day when they walk to school and be like, mm-hmm. I really want to know what it's like to do that, to jump yeah. off there into that garbage can. Yeah. This will go well. This will go this, well. I could, it's going to be, and that's the thing, right? It's like so many parents are like, no, 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 no don't do it don't do it don't do it it's like i understand that there are definitely fears instilled with like well what if my kid gets really really hurt but you know what's probably gonna happen they're gonna break something you're gonna take them to the hospital they're a child so it's going exactly it's going to heal it might be hard and you're gonna go through something but your kid's never gonna do it again and maybe they will maybe they're just an adrenaline junkie i don't know but but then then they help them find what they like to do Exactly. And then you look back on it and you reflect on it as a family and you're like, remember that time when you thought it was a really good idea to do this? And they're like, yeah, ha, ha, ha. And you make fun and you make light of it, right? And then everyone roasts you at family Christmas and it's a happy thing. (laughs) It happens. It happens. Exactly. Um, Can I say one thing? Yeah. So that was like a physical example, but um, just 
back to this sort of like that mental health part, like my parents, I was like afraid to cry mm-hmm. in front of my parents because they never showed that emotional weakness. And like you said, you learn from your parents' examples. So I'm like, oh, crying emotions, they're weak. You know, like mm-hmm. I was never taught how to express myself. And so I like literally used to cry in the shower because that was the only place I was like, oh, my mom can't hear me, yeah. you know? And so then when I got older and I like hit so much trauma in my like, 18 to 21 phase was Mm -hmm. just like disgusting in terms of emotional stuff and I just like couldn't keep it in because I was going to explode and I had the most amazing friends that were like didn't make me feel scared to show it or they didn't shame me for being upset and because like I held this like I have to be strong I have to be strong I have to be strong and it's like they were like no it's okay you're not weak if you cry yeah and so then it was like then I learned that then continued that self-learning and then now I'm teaching my parents that that was like something they instilled that this weakness associated with crying showing emotion and then it's made my mom open up more to me and like express like even she'll still like She'll be like, oh, I didn't call you yesterday because I was feeling emotional. I knew I'd cry on the phone if I called you. And I was like, I need you to call me. I need you you to cry. I need your vulnerability because it's beautiful. Yeah, I know. And so then I'm like slowly teaching her and then showing my dad like it is helpful for me to see you express that love and that emotion because I didn't even know you felt it. Yeah. You know, like how am I supposed to know that I'm like we're having a connection if you don't introduce those in. So I plan to like, obviously you need a happy medium. You can't be like bawling your eyes out of everything because your kids need to still like (laughs) see some sort of semblance of sanity. But I want to introduce that it's healthy to express your emotions and like express your ideas, even if they're not fully thought out. Like the amount of times I've heard my brother start rambling and then my dad be like, like, you're not making any sense. Like, stop. And it's like... It doesn't have to he make has, sense. He has to get there. Like, let him, like, stumble through a story, and then he'll figure out the point at the end. Mm-hmm. So it's like, just this freedom of, of expression, like, I think it's really, really crucial, both in us as adults, but also in that, like, coaching. And mm-hmm. I know you've talked about, like, showing vulnerability with your coach and, like, hearing it back that it's not a weakness and it just in your mm-hmm. personal relationships, like... I know we've all sort of been in relationships where other people have put us down Mm -hmm. for showing emotions or like, you're crazy or you're overreacting. It's like, if I'm reacting, it clearly is bothering me. So I think overreactions are made up in my mind because you're clearly expressing. It may not be like, truly it's about the dishes not being done. Mm -hmm. It may be about something bigger, but reactions are healthy. And And it might not be an overreaction. It might be accumulation of reactions that you've been holding in for a variety of things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing is the overreaction isn't coming from you. It's coming from the person perceiving your emotions. So to them, they're like, whoa, this is an overreaction. I don't know how to deal with it. So I'm going to tell you you're overreacting when you're like, no, like, this is an appropriate reaction. This is what I feel. I'm like, showing you what I, I feel. I built this up so for so long that it's now coming out and it's being perceived as this. over. Yeah, but it's it's my chance to express, and mm-hmm. I don't want to be judged for my self expression. Yes. Right. The one thing too, um, I've always been like, I'm gonna get into the like since we're kind of talking about relationships. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Now, I've always been like, ever since I was a young girl, like I love men. Like Ooh, I girl love priest. them. And Great. I have so much... Hallelujah, it's raining, man. <laughs> Amen. And I've always, like, I've been fascinated by them. They're so fun. They're so silly. They're so, like, they're just so... That's that masculine energy that oh, I'm like, I yes. like it. Because I have so much feminine energy, right? And so, um, like, one of my best friends, who is still my friend to this day, we met in kindergarten. And, like, 
I don't talk to him all that often, but when we do, it's like a day hasn't even gone by. Yep. Um, and like, we'll still see each other's family and it's like, how are you? And I'll be like, yo, I saw your dad the other day. He's looking old, right? Cause he's like, I haven't seen him forever. <laughs> or like, you know, vice versa. And so it's just, it's funny to have those bonds. But That um, was my favorite way I've ever heard somebody say the word old. <laughs> oh my God. Um, <laughs> old. <laughs> so, um, so I've always like been one of those girls and I have no problem saying this because I'm sure lots of other girls can be like this. Like, yeah, I've always had a guy somehow in my life. And it's not because I have men issues or mm. daddy issues or any of those things. Or you feel like it's, you need someone. Yeah, yeah. Is this a part of it? I'm sure it's a part of it. And I, I know that it is a part of it, but it's not the whole thing. Yeah. What it is, is it's that I have all of this love in my heart. Like I'm a wee little girl, but I have a heart that is, you know, as big as a lion's or as fierce as a lion's or I don't know even what that saying is. There's something <laughs> like that. So I always was looking for that person that I wanted to give my love to. Cause like, it was easy for me to give it to my friends. It was easy for me to give to my family, but I was like, I want to like, I want that movie love, that song love, that book love, like that love that you're like, oh my God, I just want that so bad. I want that fairy tale, I guess, in a sense, right? Mm. Um, but I guess kind of what I failed to mention in all of this journey, which is a huge impact, is that um, I would say, you know, I think it was like, you know, 14 or whatever, you get into high school and people start experimenting with drugs and alcohol and you're like, oh, mm. like... What's what is this about? What's this you know? going on here? And so for me, I always had in the back of my mind, my grandfather was an alcoholic. Um, and so I was always told, like, don't drink. Don't do drugs. They're bad. It's bad. Duh, duh, duh. So, of course, I'm like, what is this bad thing that I'm not supposed to do? <laughs> I want to do it. Like, yeah. I'm totally that person. They're like, don't go in there. I'm like, I'm going to go in there 10 times just to see what it is because you don't want me to. Yeah. Right? Um, and so... Um, like the first, I remember the first time I ever drank, like it's so, I was watermelon vodka and I got hammered. I made mm-hmm. out with four different guys and then puked my face off. Great, great. Sass. Right? Super, yep. super awesome. Par for the course. Awesome. Yeah. Par for the course. Um, and I remember waking up in the morning and feeling so guilty, mm-hmm. so guilty. And like, yep. yeah, I felt like shit, but it wasn't, it wasn't the the feeling of the hangover, it was the feeling of the, the shame that I felt, crash. the guilt that I felt, the disappointment I was going to instill, not only in my family, but in myself, right? Yeah. Um, and so I called my mom and I was like, hi, like, I need you and dad to come pick me up. And I started bawling. And I was like, I drank last night. My mom was like, it's okay, Taylor. We're going to come and get you. You know, don't worry. Maybe get outside, wait for us, get some fresh air, you know, fully and completely understanding, no judgment. Yeah. Well, wow. I'm sure yep. it brought up, oh, crap. You know, here we go. Is it your dad's? It's my mom's dad. Mom's dad, okay. And so um, that began my my really difficult battle with addiction. Mm -hmm. Um, Which I'm like only crying because it's good tears because it's giving me strength. Um, And the one thing that I failed to recognize was that, you know, how I talked about earlier, when we're kids, you know, we're trying to find ourselves. And when you're a kid, you're like, this is me. This is who I am. I'm going to act this way, blah, 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 blah. And then you start to meet these people who are like, you shouldn't be this way. Or you start to conform. You start to try and change to be within a group of people instead of being your individual self. And so that's as much as I was finding myself in high school through the modeling, I was also battling that other side of me that just wanted to fit in. So I was a constant battle of, 
who I am and who I wanted to be because I couldn't, I didn't want to accept who I was, but I also didn't want to lose out on the chance to be friends with people who were nothing like me, which makes no sense. Yeah. But you just want to fit in when yeah. you're that age, right? Absolutely. Um, and so um, I battled um, with, uh, you know, substance abuse for a long, long time. And I think it was at the age of even 16. I remember I went to the doctor because... Um, you know, it's normal, we think, to, when we were teens, to, like, every, like, Friday, Saturday, go out with your friends and get so drunk and blackout, and you were so funny last night, and you're like, I don't even remember it, or, like, you know, we all have those moments we can reflect on and be like, that was a shitty night, I felt bad, I shouldn't have done this, what was I thinking, blah, 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 and so, I, I always knew deep down that it was not, drugs and alcohol were not the answer for me, but I couldn't stop doing them, and I didn't know why. Um, And so, and when I say drugs, like, I didn't touch drugs in high school, my drug was alcohol. Now, the other thing that I battled with, too, so I 100% have an addictive personality, Um, I was um, fully, like, I battled with eating disorders um, to the, like, you know, anorexia, orthorexia, which is like, I think it's orthorexia. I could be wrong, but it's the one where like you control what you're eating and mm. you overexercise and mm. that kind yep. of stuff. Cause you're like, mm. well, I'm still eating and I'm still exercising, but you're doing it to an absolute extreme. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then bulimia, like they were all thrown in there because I was just like, now I know I just, I had no idea who I was. So I kept trying to find these things that I could control because I couldn't control anything else going on and changing in my life. I didn't want to accept it. So to then I could control what I ate, but then I'd go out in public and I'd go out with these people and everyone would be drinking. And I'm like, well, I don't want to feel left out. So I'm going to do the same things that they're doing and then just repress my emotions and continue to not feel what I'm feeling because it's easier to just I'm just going to do this. You know, people seem to like me when I'm drunk, so I'm just going to keep doing it. This makes sense to me. Yeah. So went to the doctor, like I said, when I was around 16, chatted, and my doctor said, Taylor, you're an alcoholic. And I literally remember laughing in his face. You were 16? Yeah. And I was like, there's no way I am an alcoholic. I'm 16 years old. Everybody does this. Yeah. So if I'm an alcoholic... Everybody that hangs out with me is also an alcoholic. And so it was just like in one ear, out the other. I was like, fuck you. I hate this doctor. I never, ever want to come back here. Like, done. Right? But it always was in the back of my mind. Because again, like I said, I battled with the good and the bad. Knowing that this thing, addiction, was not good for me. But I couldn't control it. Yeah. And so I always after high school kind of ended and I got into my college years um I didn't really do as much drinking because I really like I didn't have that core solid group of friends I just didn't I had the guy I was dating my family and like that was pretty much it and I also was um, a person who always had a very good work work ethic so I always had at least one or two jobs and I actually work was my other addiction because I was a girl I like I liked money but I also liked to buy myself things and I knew that in order to do those things, I had to work. So it was, you know, I'd get invited to all these parties and it was almost a blessing in disguise, right? Because they're like, hey, you want to come and drink with us? Want to come and do this? So I'm like, sorry, I'm working. And they're like, you're always working. And I'm mm-hmm. like, but I like working. Yeah. I don't want to feel bad for that. Um, work enables other things. Yeah. yeah. And so um, 
as time went on, I got into college and like my, I went to, so I'm a registered massage therapist. I went to a private uh, massage therapy college um, just out uh, Cambridge area. So local, I didn't go away for school or any of that kind of stuff. So I never had the chance to move out and find myself because I lived at home. Um, so since we didn't really do any partying or like anything like that, like I really rarely would drink, but when I would drink, it was hard yeah. and I would end up like, my parents would have to come pick me up. My dad would literally have to carry me and like carry me out of wherever we were, put me in the car, get me home. And like, again, like the next day it was all the shame and the guilt and all yeah. of those same feelings. Right. And so, um, uh, that was kind of my, it wasn't a huge issue, but I knew it was there. And then, um, you know, graduated college. Yay. 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 Um, but that was actually at the time when, uh, that long-term relationship and I had ended. So lost someone that meant a lot to me at the same time, um, lost my grandfather who was the alcoholic who actually became sober. So I was able mm. to view his sobriety and mm. his change in his life. Um, but the thing was, is that before he died, he really wanted to talk to me about the way I was living my life. Cause at this time I'm like 20, you know, I'm starting to, I'm, I'm getting into my career cause I graduated and had my cert certification and my registration to practice at the age of 20. So I was very far ahead of a lot of people in my age. Yeah. And so he wanted to sit down and just talk with me about my my addiction and my problems and the way I was living my life because he knew it was not me. Like he knew me so well. Yeah. And he could probably see a lot of himself in you too <laughs> and wanted to do that mentorship piece. Yeah. And so he never got the chance. And, you know, that was something that I always was like, I can't let him down, mm. you know, because we were very, very, very close. Um, and so it was always there. And then, um, you know, I, I graduated, I had a placement to be practicing as an RMT before I had even, uh, finished my schooling so that I could be set up to go and make money and work. Cause I didn't want to worry about any of that stuff. Cause I was like, Ooh, I got anxiety. Like I can't do this. Right. Yeah. Um, and so getting into my career was like one of the best things that ever happened to me. It kept me focused. It kept me working hard. It kept me to being where I am today, owning a local massage therapy clinic, actually one of the leading ones, which is super sweet. Um, but again, in all of those years, things happened. And so actually, I think you guys know about this, but, um, I, um, I was in British Columbia when I was 21 years old and I actually had a major snowboarding accident that actually led me to having two grand mal seizures. And I wound up in the hospital. I did not know that. No. Oh, hold up. I yeah. I told you this. Nope. No. So, um, I, I wouldn't say I was like an advanced snowboarder, but like I wasn't awful. And so I went out to BC to uh, visit my cousins and my aunt and my uncle. And, uh, we had been doing like double black diamonds. Like it was like I'm just saying that as like an experience, like, okay, she actually knows what she's doing yeah, yeah. kind of thing. Right. And so, uh, we were on just this green run. It was a very, very easy eight kilometer run. And, uh, my, this is why my concussions get so bad, but, um, my cousin called my name and I looked at her. And then when I looked at her, the top edge of my snowboard caught like a, like a pothole kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I flew, like, I don't even know how far into the air, smoked the right side of my body so hard that I then flipped to my left and then back to my right. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was just like laying there like, what the hell just happened, right? Yep. And so my uncle's like, do we need to call like the, um, the like 
uh, patrol yeah people. whatever ski patrol to come and get you and I'm like no no I'm fine because that's just who I've always been so determined yep. you know this my key in my yep. um, <laughs> I've always been so determined I'm like no I'm okay I can get through this but like the whole time we're trying to get back to the to the uh, chalet, I'm like, oh my god, what the hell's going on? So like, I remember my parents said to me, they're like, if you go out there and you get hurt, you can never go back. So that's all I kept hearing in my mm. brain. I'm like, I can't tell them that this happened. Yeah, I'm not I know that yeah. feeling. Right. And so um, my aunt and uncle were like, do you need to go to the hospital? And I was like, no, I'm fine. Right. But like, meanwhile, like, my I have horrible whiplash. I have a horrible, horrible concussion. And I'm just like, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I'm just going to rest. I'll be okay. I'll be okay. Side note, concussions are serious. Every head bang. Don't, don't, don't be resting. <laughs> you don't. don't have to tell me that. Right? Yeah. And so... Um, don't be sleeping off a concussion. That's Four not... days after I came home from the trip, because obviously I had to fly. I was in BC. I had to fly home. Um, I, uh, I was... I went to a friend's house. Actually, I had a massage, and then I went to a friend's house, and I was supposed to stay the night. She lived in Cambridge. And I was like, dude, like, I need to go home. Like, I have the worst headache I've ever had in my life. Like, something's just wrong. Mm -hmm. So I got to go. And she's like, okay, like, no problem. So I went home, went to bed, and I woke up in the hospital. Oh, and shit. so I just got goosebumps. <laughs> and so um, basically what had happened is my mom was getting ready for work it's like 7 30 in the morning and she could hear this like really weird noise and we had a, a dog at the time murphy and uh, she thought it was maybe him because you know like dogs can make some pretty weird noises yeah and uh she was like no it's not and she could hear this like like banging and shaking and all the rumbling right yeah so she came into my room and i was fully immersed in a grand mal seizure so if you don't know what a grand mal seizure is it's basically like if you were to watch a horror film and they have a seizure, that's what was going on with me. So I was foaming from the mouth, but blood was also coming out because I had bit my tongue. But at the time, we had no idea what was going on, right? So my mom's like, oh my God, she's dying. Um, so I'm fully convulsed, shaking, like my bed shaking, Jesus. all the furniture in my room is shaking. Like, just yeah. to give you an idea of like, it's real, it's intense, it's terrifying. Yeah. Um, and so my mom had to call the ambulance paramedics came and they're of course like well did she take any drugs and my mom's like no she doesn't do drugs and they're like well did did she's like no she doesn't like she just she's so and they wouldn't know about the ski and and exactly and so um long story short um went to the hospital had some testing done that i don't even remember and they're like you know this is inconclusive it was a, it was just a fluke hmm. so they sent me back home and no sooner did i go to sleep in my mom's bed i had another one and so I got sent back to the hospital, was there for four days for testing, and eventually got diagnosed with temporal lobe epilepsy. Um, and so had to go on medication and all that stuff for it. And this is, again, uh, right when I had been starting my career. So unfortunately, because, of, um, because my seizures were when I was sleeping and they were something that I, I had no control over, I got my license revoked. So Shit. at 20 Wait, what? years old, my like driver's license. So oh, I'm okay. sorry, not my practicing oh, license. Okay. I was oh, like, yeah. what is that? What? I was like, hold up. So I got my driver's license revoked. So being a 20-year-old girl who, by the way, I owned my own car. Mm. So I couldn't drive my car. I had to have my parents drive me everywhere all over again, which was supposed to only be for six months, which then turned into eight months. So it made my life really challenging. I don't want to say difficult. It was just challenging. Yeah. Um... But it gave me a lot of time to just, you know, like hang out at work, build my practice, do that kind of thing. But the thing that I took away from all of it was that I could have died 
Totally. And so this didn't happen to me once. This happened to me twice within seven hours from each other. And so I took it as you need to clean up your act. You need, this is like, this is a sign. Like you need to change your life. You need to do something differently. Like this is not good. This is your second chance or I guess even a third chance in a sense, right? Yeah. Do something. And so I, being who I am, an idea person, always wanted to like have open my own business and work for myself and all that kind of stuff. Um, And so as time went on, um, still battling with my own addiction issues when it comes to uh, alcohol and uh, still trying to, you know, I bounced around in a ton of different relationships that did not last long because I was like, ah, this doesn't fulfill me. Ah, this doesn't fulfill me. Ah, this doesn't fulfill me. You're not giving me what I want, blah, blah, blah. So... Um, when I was 23, I uh, opened my own massage therapy practice. Yay! Fire. Um, and uh, had no idea that that was going to happen. It just kind of did. And uh, that was always like, I'm like, okay, when I'm 30 years old, I'll open my own business. That <laughs> sounds like I would be a grown up. Let's just speed that up seven years. Yeah. Like, why not? <laughs> and so I just, you know, the fear and the worry from my parents, right? Because they're like, this is a huge choice. And I'm like, it's going to be fine. Right. Whereas like, they're like, you don't know what you're doing. And like, no, I had no idea what I was doing, but I learn as I go. And I've always, unfortunately been someone who needs to learn things the hard way. (laughs) I don't know the easy way. I only know the hard way. So I live life backwards, which technically like, I think that's great because I'm going to do my hardest things first and Mm -hmm. then live my life to the best. So like kind of better that way. Yeah. Maybe Um, teach their own. So anyways, when I was 23, opened my business, um, and uh, unfortunately, right off the get-go, things were horrible. I had awful landlords. They did not follow through on contracts, the things that they had to do. Um, And so because things now, again, the cycle was reborn, things were happening that were out of my control. So what did I do? I started drinking more. I started using a substance to be able to just, you know, try to cope with my own shit that I couldn't do because I was like... Why are they like, and I was taking it personally because I'm like, why are they not following through on their promises? Why are they doing this to me? Why can't I trust them? Like a lot of these things, right? And I'm like, there's nothing I can do to change this. And the thing is, as I look back at it now and it's like, they were going through their own stuff that they didn't want to deal with me. I was just, I was just a little pest, right? And they're like, ah, whatever. She's 23. What does she know? She's doing Yeah. So, um, I ended up having to go to a lawyer and, uh, uh, end up having to serve these landlords with papers from the lawyer to be able to yeah like 23 year old me like yes please help me out here with all my law stuff (laughs) (laughs) and so um you know just trying to go through all of those things because I was just like I don't I don't deserve to be treated like this I'm coming to your space I'm respecting the space that I am leasing from you give me back what I'm giving you right Mm -hmm. 50 50 let's meet in the middle here which was not happening so had so many issues with them. I don't want to get into it because, again, something I've totally accepted and moved on from. Um, but on top of that, you know, I was um, going home. I would work from 2 p.m. until 8 p.m. And, like, I'm treating clients, right? Like, I'm having to care about these people for an hour and, like, truly care about them and their well-being. How the hell can I care about someone's well-being when I can't even take care of my own? Which I had couldn't recognize at the time, right? Yeah. So I would go home from 2 till 8, or sorry, work from 2 till 8, go to the LCBO, grab two bottles of wine, come home, sit in my room, in my bed, watch Netflix, and drink all by myself. But 
Because I could identify I had a problem, but I couldn't admit to it, I would hide my second wine bottle under my bed so my parents could only see me drinking one. And of course, they're mm. like, oh, you're having some more wine? Like, you're having, oh, okay. Like, oh, this is the third night now. Like, they're like, mm-hmm. they're subliminally trying to be like, Taylor, like, look at look at what you're doing. Take like, a look at it, yeah. Identify your addiction. Like, come on here, man. Like, we see it. We need you to see it. But... When you're deep into addiction, you have, you've to lost total control. You have no idea what's going on because you can't even, your brain chemistry is changing. Every, you're creating these horrible neurological pathways. And um, there's dependence. Absolutely yeah. dependence because you're like, okay, I'm going to work. I'm taking care of all these people. And now I got to try and find a way to just be like, ah, like this is how I'm going to just yeah. de-stress. Yep. Wrong. Yep. Right. Um, and so, uh, your brain finds it like a, like a shortcut to, to reliance. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's justifying. It's creating excuses Mm -hmm. for your actions. Yeah. It's awful. Um, like a default switch that you didn't ever want to make. Yeah. Yeah. And so again, I'm like, I'm doing all this and I'm like still trying to like date someone because I'm like, I want to love somebody. I love love. Ooh, let's do this. Yeah. So ended up with this guy in my life who at the time was fantastic. Things were great. It was cool. Da, da, da. Um, but unfortunately had a group of friends who I don't want to speak ill of them because I hate speaking ill of people, but they were just very different energy than what I was. Like if people were to describe me, they're like, you're such a positive light. You have so much energy. Like you're filled of joy and happiness and like sunshine. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And so, um, I was then met with these people who were fully challenging all that I was all over again Mm -hmm. right i knew who i was and like was still trying to be that person but these people kept challenging me which then turned me into a very angry mean bitter judgmental like the absolute opposite of what i was Mm -hmm. and i was recognizing it but i wasn't actually digesting it like i knew i wasn't the same person but there was nothing i was like well this is just who i am now like "Mm, too bad you know so um, as time went on, there was one, uh, there was a couple things, other things that had happened in my business at this time. Like as this is all going on, I've tried to get out of my lease with this one, these people couldn't get out of my lease. So I was like, screw this. I'm going to lease out another place, pay for both leases at once, take on the debt because my business is more important to me right now than the debt that I'm going to have to acquire because I want my, my dreams to actually work like I want this so badly I don't care what it takes mm-hmm. um, and unfortunately it was like sacrificing all of my being for my dreams right mm-hmm. um, and so throughout all of this I'm I've gone from this other location into another location in between the change I've broken my foot so I can't walk but I have to now physically move my business and continue to try and work physically so luckily, like I, I took a couple weeks off, um, but again, acquiring more debt because I'm not working. I'm only working for myself. I don't have anybody else. So move into this new location, hire this other girl, didn't work out with her, had to ask her to leave. At the same time, the landlord of that property sold that business to a new landlord who wanted to then tear down our building and had this whole plan of what he wanted to do. But it was just that. It was an idea and a plan. There was nothing to show for. And I was Mm. like, fuck no. I am not going down this path again of having someone who has no idea what they're doing. I need to start to stand up for myself and do something. So I had decided at that point, like, 
please let me out of my lease. I'm going to go find somewhere else. Because at this time too, things were starting to manifest and change where I was starting to regain kind of like my energy and what I was and my positive that I was trying to then put back out into the universe. So I ended up hiring more people, having more people work for me. So it was, I needed this to be able to outgrow this space to justify moving into a new one. Now, throughout all of this also, of uh, the change of the business, the change of the coworkers, all of these things, the guy I had been dating for about a year and a half cheated on me. And, <laughs> yeah. and so for me, that was something that I always remember going into a situation and I would say this to people. I was like, yeah, if you cheat on me, like, it's not going to affect me. That's your problem. Like, I know what I'm worth. I know what I'm about. And so if you do it, like, you have to live with that, not me. And everything I said was absolutely not how I handled it. So this individual had gone away for a bachelor party. Um, and uh, I was like, okay, hey, cool, like, have fun, do your thing, whatever. Because I've always been a person who I'm like, you do you, I'm going to do me, let's meet in the middle somewhere. Like, I'm not like, I need you, need you, need you, need you. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not that person. I'm very independent. Um, and so... Um, he came, he didn't even come home yet. He texted me and was like, I can't do this anymore, Taylor. And I was like, do what? Like be in the wedding? And he's like, no, <laughs> our relationship. And I was like, what? Yeah, where's and that I, coming from? I was just like, what the hell? Because literally like before he even left, things were cool. Like I, I was like, what is going on? Mm -hmm. So he came over and was just saying like, you know, like you're such a wonderful person. Like I just, there's someone out there that's better for you. And I'm like, no, like I, you know, I like you. I want to be with you. Da, da, da. Right. And he just kept saying, like, the weirdest things. Like, he was like, you deserve someone better. Um, you, um, like, all these really strange things that started to get my mind thinking. Because at the time, I didn't even know he cheated on me yeah. at this point. I was like, oh, my God, okay. And, like, he's like, you he just kept saying, you deserve so much better than me. You deserve so much better than me. So I was like, did you cheat on me? And he's like, well, I got some girl's number and was, like, dancing with these other girls. And I was like, well, okay, like why would you think that that's okay to do? Like, what, like, if you're going to be like, hey, can I go and dance with these other chicks? It's like, sure, like, if you, you at least talk to me, like, okay. But to do it behind my back and not honor the bond of what a relationship is supposed to be in that trust, mm -hmm. right? He's like, well, it was over for me. And I was like, fuck you. It Pardon? wasn't over oh, for me. Oh, shit, yeah, like, no. how, how much more can you be a coward and not and care and try and find a way to get out of something like who do you think you are yeah um and so i remember i was just like so pissed and so angry i was like what the hell um and so then about a week later uh an individual uh that was in the group of friends came over and told me listen because and also this girl and i did not like each other we didn't get mm. along oh we you had, knew her we had no respect for each other like we just we would be friendly, but like, we just were like, no, I don't like you. Mm -hmm. She came over to my house and said, I need you to know that he cheated on you. And I was like, oh my God, I fucking knew it. Like I knew it. I knew it. He was just giving me all these mixed messages mm -hmm. where I was like, there's no way you didn't do it. There's some weird guilt here. Yeah. And so I actually ended up confronting him, which he then denied it, but denied it in a way that didn't justify him saying he didn't do it. It was so defensive, like, I did do it, but I don't want to actually admit to it. Mm -hmm. So still to this day, I've never actually heard him say he's done it. And you know what? Maybe he didn't. Maybe it was something that I made up in my mind. But I was such in such a bad place that I don't think it really would have mattered what he said. Mm -hmm. 
So I had to take the time to heal from that and to kind of process all of that stuff. And, you know, I was still, as much as I was processing and trying to heal from those things, I was still trying to find someone that I could just be like, share stuff with, blah, 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 not taking the time to work on myself, just pushing it all back and be mm-hmm. like, eh, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Which then just took me down a road of um, hating who I was, not identifying who I was, um, believing everything else everyone was telling me about the person that I was and creating this new identity of just who I wasn't. Um, Now, the one thing that I didn't mention is that this individual that might have or might not have cheated on me, um, there was an incident when I was with a bunch of a group of, you know, our friend group at that time. And uh, there was a night that I got just so sloshed that like, it was like, he was so embarrassed. And he had made a point to just be like, Taylor, like, I think you have a problem. Hmm. And so I was like, I think I have a problem too. And so we kind of talked about it and talked it out. um, And that was on like a Sunday. And I went home and started researching um, AA, so Alcoholics Anonymous, what it was about. Mm -hmm. um, Where do you go? How do you do this? And I remember in my brain, I was going back through I'm gonna go no I'm not gonna go I'm gonna go I'm not gonna go I'm gonna yeah. go. like it was just this constant like I don't know and like I was bawling my eyes out and like oh it was, it was so difficult it was so hard because I was just feeling so much were you talking to your mom about this or I had mentioned to my parents that, like I think this is a step that I need to take and they were like absolutely Taylor like if you, yeah. if you think you need to do this we support you fully we think you should do this but we can't we can't force you to do yeah, it we can't right? be the ones that that make you go exactly And so it was one of the hardest things I ever had to do because, again, I like, and literally hard, like, I had a freaking broken foot. I literally had to, like, put myself up and be like, okay, get yourself there. Yeah, we're crutching it over. Yeah. Yeah. So I go there and I'm not talking. I'm bawling. I'm then not crying. And then I'm crying and I'm like, oh my god like this is real like this is happening okay like because like, everyone not a lot of people know what it's about so like when i will share my story like yeah i'm i'm an alcoholic and they're like so when you go like what's it like and i'm like it's pretty similar to like what you see in the movies like there's refreshments you go in you sit down you talk you you know it's very similar everybody has their own kind of thing that they do and they're like oh like cool like i didn't know like i love when people want to know because i'm like oh you actually care this is cool mm-hmm. but it's curious that you went in um and felt sort of like, whoa, okay, I understand this, like, I'm supposed to be here, versus like, oh, I don't have a problem, like, looking around the room, you're like, oh, these people are messed up, but I'm not, like, you didn't come in with that aversion. And and that's what a lot of people will come into the the program with, Um, but but it's normal, it's very normal for that. Um, And so I just remember leaving and feeling this wave of relief wash over me, and I literally was in my car, and I was, I've always been a person that talks to myself, so I was like, you belong here. These are your people. Like yeah. this is a place for you because people get you and understand you and there's nothing to hide. There's mm. it's okay. There's no judgments here. Yeah. No. And I just remember like praying and like talking to my grandpa and being like, Thank you for guiding me here. Like thank you for being a part of this journey, right? And so that was um that was September or October fifth, two thousand and fifteen. I still remember the date. Um and so that was um probably that was the best, one of the best things that's ever happened in my life. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and uh, so I was sober for almost two years, um, just, just shy of two years. And now I need to say sober in the sense of I wasn't using alcohol. I had then picked up marijuana to use as a new addiction mm. to hide the fact that I still had a problem with substances and still didn't want to fully feel, didn't want to fully learn about myself, was just so hurt and didn't want to process my own stuff. I'm like, hmm, this, this marijuana is acceptable. This is okay. Yeah. I'm just going to do this. It's, it's a recreational drug. Everybody likes it. Like, let's do it. Yay. And right? addictive personalities often rationalize behavior, and, like all the time. Yeah, absolutely. All the time. Um, and so, um, I started, I would smoke weed every single night and it just became a habit from, for like a very, very long time. But I was like, there's no problem with this. It's okay. Well, and it doesn't also have the side effects of like waking up where you don't remember the night before you feel like shit. Like it has like the pros that you're like, oh, this is better than alcohol. I can justify I'm not doing doing anything bad. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And so um, then began a new battle. But, um, uh, you know, I at that point had uh, now moved into a bigger location for my business, um, which we are still to this day at. And Yay, finally the landlord. That, that yeah. I, I go to regularly. <laughs> <laughs> we, um, you know, in that time frame um, from the day I was sober until the day I became not sober again, my, my business grew so much and uh, I grew so much I was finally being able to reconnect with who I was on an authentic real true raw vulnerable level Mm -hmm. and I was like oh my god this is so wonderful I love this and so I was finally very comfortable with who I was and very comfortable with being on my own and, and that kind of thing and then bam here came the next chapter Right. Yep. This is where I come in. I need to pee really bad. Yeah. So we're gonna take a little solo break. It's a good place to pause it. Yeah. We're talking about just in the whole time you've been telling this story, um, your ups and downs really flow from the environment around you. Yes. And that's something that's so crucial to like who you are, where it's like you take on other people's energy. Mm-hmm. And so then naturally, if the environment is negative or toxic or like lame and gross you're gonna like take on more of that energy mm-hmm. and if it's like high and positive then you're like oh i'm free spirited and i feel like sometimes if people don't understand how uh, taking on energy is a real thing because i've been i've felt this well, sometimes being an, like i would you're an empath i'm definitely an yeah empath, oh like right? i totally relate to this mm-hmm. but like i think some people think like I don't understand, like, one mate or this, or last week you were this, or whatever. And sometimes I have a week where I'm like, I feel really, like, calm about my anxiety, and I feel like I haven't had a panic attack in a while. And then I'll have something and be like, oh, shit, like, am I regressing? Was I not true last week? Mm. And then I'm like, no, it's really based on environment. And so then understanding that to know, like, okay, I'm not unstable. I'm just so sensitive to my environment. Mm -hmm. It's like having, appreciating that as, like, a part of who you are versus, like, I don't know. I just get down on myself sometimes when I'm like, oh, well, like because people judge you and they're, exactly. they're like, well, you're just all over the place, and you're like, you need to be like, 
I know I am because I'm sensitive. Yeah. And then, yeah. oh, well, you should you should grow some balls. You should be less sensitive. Maybe no. maybe you need to learn to be more sensitive because you can't identify with me and I feel bad for you. Yeah. Right? And then as soon as I try and keep myself stable, then, like, I'm being dishonest to my true self and then I end up having outbursts. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's so, it's it's absolutely true. And I'm glad you brought up the part of, like, taking on people's energy because when we say and I say it all the time is your vibe attracts your tribe and it truly truly does Ooh. like if you like are if like you that. are putting out those negative vibes you're gonna get them right back to you and they're gonna continue you're just gonna feed off of each other's negativity March of 2017, I met someone who came into my life who I like immediately was physically attracted to. I was like, wow, this human being is like beautiful. Like, what is he about? Like, I want to know you. Yeah. And so the thing is, is this individual was so different than me that um, it was always a mystery. Yeah. And that mystery can be intriguing enough to like push forward with something that's super unhealthy, but like Mm -hmm. feels good because you're like, I'm solving a mystery. Yeah. Like, let me like delve deep. I want to see what makes you tick because I don't get it. Yeah. And so you're like, oh, yes, this is cool. I have to put this puzzle together even if it kills me. Yeah. You totally do. You're like, and again, being an empath, I'm like, yup. Let's let's dive into this. Story of my dating life. (laughs) So um, I don't want to like, this was again something that I've healed from and moved on from but uh long story short from the period of june from when we went out until august of like the same year so this is a few months we had um met each other's family met friends whoa and i then got rid of my apartment and moved in with him so Mm. this was kind of this the the start of my like downward spiral um so we went to a wedding in August, and at this time I was still sober. I had not drank, still going into my sobriety, very proud of it. Something that I was not afraid to share because I was like, this is a cool thing that I get to share with people and then be like, how do you do it? Um, so we ended up going to a wedding, and the night before the wedding, we had gone out, and um, first off, I was having trouble. Um, I was having trouble processing that this man who seemed to be so wonderful and like not even seemed to be like at that time, like he was an awesome, awesome guy. He was mm-hmm. absolutely what I was looking for in someone. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. But he had mentioned that his family would get together and they would have some drinks and play games and play cards. And I was like, oh, mm. like, so there's drinking involved in family gatherings. Like this is yeah. what I'm going to get into. And so I then, and this is the addiction that then comes into play, says, you can have one drink. You've been sober for this long. You can have one drink and be sober again. No problem. They're going to be fine. And so we went out and... It's a uh, slippery slope. Yes. And so we went out, just the two of us, and we were we were in Ottawa and we were at some place. I forget where it was, sitting outside, you know, like embracing the culture and feeling all that it was. And he got like... The one thing that I've always said to my friends or anyone in my life, I'm like, I do not want you to not drink around me because 
this is my problem, mm-hmm. not yours. And I'm not going to implement my issues into your life and make it an inconvenience because it's not an inconvenience. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's interesting because when you were like, I don't want you don't you don't want your, your friends to make it your problem. I was going to kind of get at well. If your friends care about you on that level, then then if you're struggling with something, they're going to do everything they can to, to help you of and course. support you with it. And so it's not inconvenience at all, right? Yeah, it's, right? It's something people are willing to do. And also, not drinking should be considered an inconvenience. It's like, that's not... Exactly, yeah. right? But then you like, once it's someone who's like, who realizes that they have a problem and that other people don't, you're mm-hmm. like, oh crap, like I'm a... I'm a problem. Yeah, really. I'm a like, burden. You're, you're not. You're not. You're not, you're not okay. at all. It's okay. And, and uh, if they love you, they'll help you. Yeah, and yeah. it's hard to like go through that thought process. Absolutely. Uh, long story short, that night I had convinced myself that I could have a drink. And I sat there and I drank it and I was like, I just fucked up yeah. everything I oh, worked I know so that hard for. And so um, I was like, we went back to uh, his parents' house where we were staying and I was like, I really don't feel well. Like, I need to go to bed. But here's the thing. It's not that I didn't feel well because of the drink. It was because I didn't feel right in the choice that I made. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I yes. didn't yes. listen to my myself and my needs and who I am to a core yeah. to try and please someone else, which, like, not good. Yeah. So the next following day was the wedding. And I was like, I'm not drinking at this wedding. I'm not going to do it. I, like, you know. And again, I get to that wedding. What did I do? I got hammered. I was so drunk, I could hardly even walk because I was like, I made a huge mistake, yeah, but I already fucked up, so what's the matter shame. now? Yeah. yeah. And so it's just trying to hide all of those things, right? So of course, I haven't drank in almost two years. Do you know how hungover I was the next day? Yeah. yeah. And then again, on top of that hangover, it's guilt, it's shame, it's disappointment, it's all of those things that I was recognizing, but I was like, I don't know what to do yeah and so from then on um my addiction was in full force i was drinking for the two years that i didn't drink i think for an entire week i was drunk and not like i wasn't drinking and going to work it was like i would go to work come home find any excuse to drink and then be like oh i'm drunk and then go to sleep and like even in those moments when i was doing it I knew it was wrong. I felt that it was wrong, but I was like, I can't not have this right now because it's the only thing keeping me going. Um, and so, you know, then began that cycle. And um, not only was, you know, I'm now trying to do, to understand this new relationship I am, I've now totally, totally sabotaged everything that I am. So in order to gain this relationship, I needed to lose myself mm. uh, because I was too afraid for this man to not accept me for who I yeah. was. So along comes October and uh, we moved into this house, which is not, I didn't purchase it or anything. I just moved in with him. So this is his house. Mm-hmm. And so that again brought up a lot of things where I'm like, what the hell am I then? Like, who am I? Like, why Why do you want me around even? Like, what is, is this a convenience aspect? Is this a, you're too afraid to be alone? Like, what is this, right? Yeah. And so, you know, of course I'm saying all these things and you're like, oh, like, did you even like this guy? I'm like, I really liked this guy because I saw the guy who I originally started falling in love with. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so... You know, of course, I'm, I'm like, oh, he'll get back to that. He'll get back to that. Because, again, I always see both sides of the spectrum mm-hmm. and can understand when people go through their own stuff. 
So um, long story short, we there were a lot of things that happened um, in a very short period of time. I actually injured myself and stopped working for a month, which led me into a really deep and dark depression because I loved my job. I loved helping people. I loved massaging people. I loved getting to talk to people and who they were and what they were about and how we can help them and just creating that relationship. So that was in December. And so a lot of things happened. Um, a lot of very um, hard, hard, hard things came up that I had to deal with that, you know, this individual I was with as my partner at the time couldn't understand why I was so upset. Mm-hmm. Couldn't understand why I would get so down and not get out of my rut and not be the tailor that he would remember, the yeah. tailor he wanted me to be. This is, this is fucking his words, not mine. So I was like, okay, you are, you know, I'm, I'm receptive to the fact that I'm not the person that I want to be. So I'm going to work on it. I'm going to do this. So he had chosen to go away for a bachelor party, which I was already a little bit worried about because previously Mm -hmm. I got cheated on at a bachelor party, but I was like, you know what? He would never do that to me. This is cool. It's going to be okay. But what I'm going to do while he's gone is take the weekend or however long he was gone to work on myself so I can be who I want to be when he comes home so we can have a fresh start. And I was pumped because Mm. I reconnected with myself. I did the things I wanted to do. I was like, yes, let's do this. So when I went to pick him up, I was excited and he was so weird. So on the ride home, I was just like, how was it? Like, he's like, oh, it was great. But then he started oversharing, telling me too much about what happened at this bachelor party. And I was like, I don't like I literally interjected and was like, you don't need to tell me all of this. Like, I don't really care. It's fine. And he's like, well, no. And I was like, so was everybody good? Like, because I was like, I was picking up what he was putting down. Mm -hmm. Like, asking him to tell me, hey, man, I know you cheated on me. Just say it out loud. And so I was like, okay. In the morning, if I still feel this way, I will ask him. Had a long conversation, talked about it. You know, I, I removed myself for a few hours to just kind of go over, like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And um, I had decided that I wanted to forgive him and try and move on. Well, the next day we got into the conversation again and it went from he might have just kissed this girl to I might have had sex with her. So then I start thinking, how much of what you have ever told me is actually the truth? What is real here and what is not real, right? And it's so easy, especially when that betrayal and that take it the betrayal but betrayal related to that vulnerability that like i have opened myself up to you and you've like done this to me and it's just like you start to think like how how can i trust anything that exactly you've ever said? and so you know i'm like holy crap and amongst all of these feelings right i can't tell you that i'm like it's all my fault i was the reason he cheated on me he doesn't love me because i'm this that the other thing blah 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 right um so you know i start being like it's my fault i need to fix this i need to do something while i was still struggling with like no it isn't my fault like this is this is a him thing not a me thing this is a you problem right yeah so um this is you know in the summer this is june of 2018 that or july of 2018 that this happened so into August, um, still struggling to for, find forgiveness, not be, you know, in so much pain and suffering and all of these things. And I'm, I'm using alcohol and marijuana than ever before to try and get through this. Um, I wasn't able to a lot of the time perform the way I wanted to at work. Sometimes I wouldn't even be able to get myself to work, letting my clients down, mm-hmm. you know, 
putting a horrible uh, vibe out there about my business and what it's about because I can't even follow my own core values. You know, wh- who, what the, what the heck am I doing? Yeah. So August, you know, went away to a cottage, tried to make things better, and he dropped the bomb of, I don't know what I want. I don't know if I can do this. And so we talked through it. He had made the decision that he wanted to work on it. I was like, okay, cool. September, we went on a trip um, to go to the wedding with the people that he was with when he uh, when he cheated on me. That led to a whole other, you know, thing of events um, in itself and life lessons and emotions and things that it had to teach. Um, and then, uh, you know, came home and, uh, again, had the same conversation. He's like, I don't know if I can do this. This is now the... F- so first time is when he cheated on me, obviously. Second time is a month later. Third time is in September, right? And I'm like, I'm so devoted to this person and like what we could have that I can't see he is begging for any possible way out. Um, went away on a trip um, in, uh, what was that? Like November and things on this trip were fantastic. I thought things were great. I thought we had totally, you know, we went total 180, like things are good. We're going back to the way that we were. Just kidding. <laughs> a week later, he dropped the bomb again. I don't know what I want. And I was finally like, you know what? This has been, I've I've stuck in here. I've done literally everything that I can because I'm a person who like, I see things through until the very, very end because I want to know that I've done all that I can to make this situation work for me. Yeah. So I finally was like, you know what? He clearly has no idea who he is because he keeps telling me. So I'm going to allow him to find himself and do what he needs to do because it's not bettering me. And so I, I moved out in um, December of uh, 2018 into my own apartment and uh, it was fantastic. It was a great feeling to be able to know that, you know, I've, I've fully done this on my own. I'm living the life I've always wanted to. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been successful in all aspects of my life other than the relationship, but that's okay because the relationship that I need to work on is the one with myself. Um, and so it took a lot to be able to, um, you know, I said, I forgive this person and I would have days where I'd forgive him and other days where I just was like, I can't, I can't forgive you. Um, but what I did is I wrote a letter of all the pain that he caused me. Um, and I put it on paper and I saved it, um, just to, you know, get that out. And I wrote it to him, but didn't send it obviously. Yeah. And then there was another thing that happened where, um, I, you know, he came back into my life for a very short moment. It was like to talk about something and it really set me off. And my, one of my coaches had actually said, Taylor, write him a thank you letter. And I was like, a thank you letter? Like, are you nuts? Like a thank you letter? And then I was like, okay, I'll do this. <laughs> and it was the most freeing I've ever felt in my life. And I felt so good about what I had to say. I sent it to him. And I had already decided that I don't care if you read it or not. Mm -hmm. And I don't care if you respond or not, because whatever you have to say to me, I'm not going to read or care about because I'm done with this. Mm -hmm. Um, That letter was for you, not for him. Exactly. Um, And so the one thing too that I have to mention is I actually did go back to AA on September 3rd of 2018 um, because I no longer wanted to live a life where alcohol was a part of it and I wanted to be true to myself on that because I knew that's what I needed because every single time he kept telling me like oh uh, I don't know what I want I don't know what I want I kept taking small steps back 
And it was it's totally like you were taking that those precautionary measures and your coping mechanisms and skills that you've honed in for so many years to be like, okay, I see the disarray and the like trauma and like struggle that he's having. And therefore, like, I am preparing myself for protecting myself. And so it's like you went back to AA, you like started prioritizing, um, improving your business. You like hired the, like it was all happening at the, uh, it was all happening at literally the perfect time. Like the universe was like, cause I always kept being like, what am I supposed to do? Like, I don't know. I need help. I need help. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And it was finally like, Taylor, you've always known what to do. You just haven't been listening to what's inside of you and mm-hmm. truly honoring all that you are right um and so went back to aa best choice i've ever made in my life it was it was you know it's a family there so i go back and it's just like no no judgment they're like we're so happy to see you it's it's incredible um and so you know went back to AA, did all that jazz moved out on my own um focused a lot on my personal growth and um realized that you know because I kept I kept saying I really really want to reconnect with myself and I really really want to be that person again that I know I can be and I how do I do it how do I do it how do I do it and I now realize because I kept thinking what is this guy's purpose in my life what the hell why was he supposed to be here and I realized it was so that I could finally understand what I was worth mm-hmm. and I just want to say to any woman, man out there, because it's not just women that this happens to. This happens to men. Mm-hmm. If you are unhappy, you're allowed to leave. Mm-hmm. There's nothing keeping you there. There is nothing saying you need to, because deep down you know what you need to do, but you're too afraid, and you don't need to be afraid. Mm-hmm. You need to trust yourself, because the only place you know, that you're going to grow is by overcoming your fears and we're all afraid of being alone but the thing is is that when you love yourself and all that you are you're never going to be alone because home is home is going to be inside of you Mm -hmm. and that's a beautiful beautiful thing to get to realize that you are all that you're ever going to need to be and you just need to own it and so Throughout this whole journey that I've had through life, um, you know, in my short 27 years, my purpose is to love people unconditionally, to show people how to love themselves and to learn how to love themselves and not feel guilty about it because there is nothing guilty to feel about wanting to be who you want to be. And like I said before, the best job, the best career, the best investment you're ever going to make is in who you are and you should never in your life feel bad for putting yourself out there and being who you want to be right um and so i can happily say that like in the uh, 13 days that this new year has brought to me um like i had said previously i chose the word confidence but i want to be confident inside i want to be confident with my choices i want to be confident with my intuition i want to trust myself again and know that what I'm doing is right for me and I don't give two fucks if you like it or not because it's my life Mm -hmm. Um, and we need to own that and I mean I don't want to make it seem like what other people's opinions and what they have to say about you is irrelevant because it's not so you know tread lightly in your journey of self-discovery because you can't just be like I just care about me and no one else because that's also not healthy it's finding that balance of okay, I'm working on me, but I can respect where you're coming from or I can, you need to be vulnerable. 
Um, and being vulnerable will take you to more places in life than any other emotion ever will because when you're vulnerable, you're being raw and you're being real and you're being you. And the people that love you love that raw, vulnerable realness of, of who you are and those are the people you want in your life. And so, yeah, I, I like I said, it's been 13 days. I'm the most confident and self you know, self-fulfilled that I felt in three years. And I am, I don't want to say 100% back to myself because there's always room for growth, but I want to say I'm about 95% of the way there. And, you know, it's that pendulum. You just got to keep it swinging. You just got to keep it moving because you don't want to be stagnant. Um, you need to have those positives and those negatives, but it's taking the steps and learning how to love yourself. The thing is, is it's reconnecting with your inner child. And that's what we stop doing when we age because we start to take on all the judgment of other people and we're like well I was told that I wasn't supposed to be this way so it's turned me into this person and Mm -hmm. it's like no it hasn't turned you into that person it's just changed your perception of who you really are because you don't think you can be who you want to be um so my biggest message because I feel like I should like be pretty clear on what I'm finally trying to say can I can I before you say it yeah keep it in your brain I got it we have a name for the segment (laughs) it's called big talk small summaries Ooh, That's the so name <laughs> big talk this whole episode. Now we're going to summarize it in a way that like really hits home. And like, it's more of that advice piece. Like, what do you really want to say? Ooh, I like it. And so your, your message home that you were <laughs> So my message to people is that don't let these external elements take over your life. And for my, you know, from my experience, because that's all I can talk about is Addiction. If you battle with addiction, you have control over that addiction because you're controlling yourself to have the addiction. So why don't you control yourself to not have the addiction? And I don't want to say not have it because addiction is something that you're always going to battle, but take control over knowing that you are absolutely powerless over these drugs and, and alcohol and you know you, you don't have to live your life like that anymore mm-hmm. because that's only going to cover up the anxiety and the depression and the pain that you feel so when you really feel and you really own everything that you are and you admit to your faults that's when you're going to start to grow as a person that's when you're going to start to love yourself again and that's when you're going to start to be who you want to be when you stop ignoring all the things that your body is telling you and also side note i finally uh, decided that um i am powerless uh, over marijuana. I admitted this a few weeks ago and I have been 100% sober since the beginning of January. <laughs> wow. Yay! That's amazing. And so, yes. like I said, addiction is always going to be something that's a part of my life and it's always going to be something that I battle, but you can win the battle over and over again every time that you decide to not drink, to not do the drugs, to not let it take your life over And you can win your battle over anxiety and depression by identifying that it's just a feeling. It's just a moment in time and it is going to pass and you can get through this. And if you're struggling, reach out. There's people in your life that are there for you. And if there aren't people in your life, there are people that you can pay to be in your life (laughs) (laughs) that are going to help you find what you need. Because once you've invested in yourself, those people who couldn't be there for you when you needed them, they're going to come around. It's just that... They don't know how to handle you and they don't know how to better your situation because maybe they're struggling themselves. So when you're you, they'll come back around. 
Thank you, Taylor. You're welcome. Thank you that so much lovely. for having me. Well, do you mind if we do our big talk small summaries? Do it. Okay. Um, You're ready. You have a, I'm ready. You have a so, book and um, everything. So my, one of my uh, colleagues, um, she's the most brilliant woman. Her name's Hend. And um, I continually have these relationships in my life where I meet these incredible people, You're both of you included, where I just like immediately I'm like, let's get down to business. And, and I am so thankful every time I meet another one of those individuals that I'm like, there's so much true, genuine love inside of you so my coworker, she's one of those brilliant people that i have met in my life and she did the most kind thing when i was leaving my current job which just happened she gave me this little present where she was like uh i just wanted to show how much you mean to me because we've only been working together since september maybe maybe october so like only a couple of months and she like explained how much of an impact that our relationship has had on her day to day so she gave me this book and it's called words to inspire quotes for every occasion which i'm like so cute and for whatever reason i've had the like she gave it to me um before i left so maybe it's been like a week and a half that i've had this book for whatever reason chose to open it for the first time today this morning and so i got out this book opened it and the first chapter is uniquely you and the first quote the first line it says in everyone there is something precious found in no one else which i love because my favorite quote is all of your imperfections add up to something beautiful i can't tell you who so the heck amazing but in itself if you really depict that and you look at it and you realize how beautiful that is because we are who we are because of our struggles we are who we are because of our pain and our suffering and all of the things that we struggled with but it's made us who we are and that's totally. something that's beautiful and own it love your imperfections you know love the mold that you have on your face that you hate <laughs> love it love it love it you know love yep. You know, maybe you can't grow a bum at the gym and you're like, oh, what am I ever going to Who cares if you don't have the bum? You're going to have everything else to make up for that. You know? I'm going to love your cute little bum. Yeah, exactly. It's there. But yeah, I just wanted to share that little quote because I just thought it was a great thing that we've been talking about this last mm-hmm. little while. Beautiful. And yeah. Yeah. Thank you for yeah. sharing. Yeah. Did you have a big talk small summary? Yeah, I just want to quote a whole J. Cole song. Like the whole thing. Yes! Love my man J. Cole. The whole song called Love Yours. Like that whole thing that needs to just... Song. That's applicable. Like, And I'm quoting at this point, but there's no such thing as a life that's better than yours. There's no such thing. Like your journey that you're on that life is for you for a reason like like you said you grow through it you learn from it you became who you are and the person and you have the people in your life that you do because of that journey mm-hmm. and it's for a reason and it's it, it is for you there's nobody has a better life than yours mm-hmm. for you mm-hmm. so love yours i want to thank you for sharing your very vulnerable and very true and very genuine story with us um that and was I'm, incredible to it hear. was absolutely a privilege to listen and i hope uh you continue to Spread the word as you go forward in your life. I consider myself lucky to have been here today. Thank, Thank you, Taylor. Guys. Okay, we're going to pause it and then I'm going to give you a hug. <laughs> Thank you for listening. If you have questions, comments, concerns, or feedback, you can shoot us an email by emailing fsmalltalk at gmail.com, reach out to us on Instagram at fsmalltalk, or visit our website, fsmalltalk.com. We wanted to give a big thank you to our lovely and talented friend Ada for the musical considerations. She's an amazing up-and-coming independent recording artist specializing in R&B, pop, and funk. She's available for collabs and shows, so if you liked what you heard, simply hit her up on Instagram, at Ada so Live. That's 
at AIDA So Live. If you want to hear more of her stuff, you can find her at soundcloud.com forward slash Ada So Live. That's soundcloud.com forward slash AIDA So Live. She's amazing, so definitely go check her out. A big thank you also goes out to Lonnie for producing the awesome track you heard. He is an R&B and hip-hop producer who's worked with major artists, including Drake, Beyonce, and Lil Wayne. He's available to work with at his Toronto studio, so if you're interested, simply check him out on Instagram at HitHouseToronto. That's at HitHouseToronto. So again, big thank you to Ada and Lonnie. This podcast was brought to you by us. And also beer. And also coffee. Because what is sleep even? Also, hi mom. Love you.